Hello, and welcome to the JewishBoston.com podcast. I'm your host, Jen, here with Jesse. Say hello, Jesse. Hello, everybody. We're so excited to be back, and this week we have an exciting episode talking with our pal Harris. Um, Harris works here at CJP on our present tense social innovation thing. What's Harris's last name? Rollinger. There we go. Yes. So we'll meet. You'll get to meet Harris later on the show. We'll talk all things social entrepreneurship. We'll also talk about some Star Wars. Um, Jesse and Harris are big fans and saw the movie recently, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then, um, yeah, that's all we've got on the show today. Jesse and I. I guess Jesse, before we get started, what are your holiday plans? I know it's not a holiday for us, but that we have a true. long weekend, so it's a holiday weekend. It's true. Well, I am going home to Tulsa, Oklahoma, see some family and friends. So that should be exciting and probably see Star Wars again. Again? So, oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. That's so, exciting. I'm even, probably not going to see it. Ever? No, not going to start now. He's disappointed. Nah, that's shaking right. his head at me. That's okay. Are you, you going to see Sisters instead? Are you going to see any yes, movie? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Go by myself. <laughs> Watch Sisters. I have no exciting holiday long weekend plans. None? Um, well, I saw, I saw either last weekend or the weekend before a very large picture of Marmer's on Everywhere. the Facebook. That's, that's a lot, true. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of extended family. I do not have that big of an, ex, of an extended family. I have a very large extended family. So we did some family celebrating last weekend. This weekend's pretty low-key. And then I get to head off to Israel this weekend, which is very oh, exciting. Yeah. Heading and staffing a birthright trip. So we'll be sure to tell you all about that when I return to the States. That'll be very exciting. Even though normally you would want to go to Israel in December to escape the cold, but it's not cold here. So it's pretty comparable in terms of temperature right now. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Um when you go home to Oklahoma, Jesse, do they wish you a Merry Christmas as you're walking down the street? Oh, uh, I get, yes. Yes, <laughs> okay. I get, I, I get told that I'm landing in God's country from time to time, which is really, I think, presumptuous of Oklahoma to say so. Wisconsin but. says the same thing. Yeah, so like, Massachusetts should start saying it and yeah, claiming you, it as well. Every state can't be God's country. Unless by God's all, country they mean the United States of America. That's what they mean. Well, that's what they mean. <laughs> that's too funny. Do you um, but, wish him a Merry Christmas back? So this gets complicated because when I was younger, it angered me when people would wish me a Merry Christmas because how do they know? I understand that Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of Jews, but I felt, you know, just happy holidays was fine by me. As I got older, I realized, like, these people's life experiences, there's no reason they would know that I wasn't, that, that I was Jewish and that I wasn't celebrating Christmas. But they were I still, just being friendly. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I didn't feel... It felt disingenuous for me to wish them a Merry Christmas because I, I don't celebrate it. it. I I felt like either wishing them a Happy Holidays back or a U two was more appropriate. Yes, so. I I'm full full on like it's the holiday spirit. Like I have no qualms about people wishing me a Merry Christmas. There's not that many people that do that like openly here. Most people like just kind of give you the head nod if you're lucky walking down the street, but like the Merry Christmases aren't like free flowing out here. I got wished a Merry Christmas when I was buying lunch at Cozy today. Oh, that was so nice of them. Did you wish them a Merry Christmas I did not. I said you too. (laughs) I was like, don't you know where, you know, who works right across the street from you? All of the Jews. Nope. I I definitely wish people a Merry Christmas back. If they started, it's safe to assume that they also, they they in turn celebrate Merry Christmas or (laughs) they celebrate Christmas. Words. If it's very loud, I'll sometimes wish them a Merry Fishmas, uh, which is a Simpsons joke. But like, I've never seen that either. It's up uh, there with Star Wars. Probably not. Well, there are like 30 seasons of The Simpsons to catch up on. So Maybe that's what I'll do over my long weekend. <laughs> Instead of packing for my trip, I will be 
singing Christmas carols and watching The Simpsons. Are you, are you flying one of those direct flights that they now I have am. from it's Boston? I am. It's really exciting. I'm nice. flying direct from Boston on El Al. Um, so there's like, it, it's really cool because um, that just started this summer in like June or July. My dad was shocked when he heard that I had a direct flight from Boston to Tel Aviv. He was very excited because I don't have to go down to New York. It's a whole schlep, blah, blah, blah. It's so much nicer. Well, it's nice when, you know, our Air National Airport is actually an Air National Airport from time to time. So I mean, it was like puddle jumping over to Europe every once in a while. Yeah, we're, <laughs> like airplane-wise, we are we are not that far from from Europe. It's true. Um, but yeah, um, I, I've never actually flown to Israel. The one time I went to Israel, we flew into Greece and then took a boat for some stupid reason where they were trying that's to so fun. They're trying to recreate the Exodus, you know, post World War II Exodus. Oh, that's um, strange. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a mistake type of program where they put us on an old Russian. Uh, cruise liner and had these little like sort of tugboats almost who were pretending to be the British but the problem was our ship was too fast so it had to stop every couple of hours to let the British keep up with us and the boat would just rock back and forward and so people were getting seasick. Jesse is currently using his hands to sway back and forth. forth. It's a really great visual. Um, So Um, that was unpleasant. I mean I didn't get seasick it was just boring. Interesting. Well I hope to have a safe and easy flight across the ocean um, and I'm excited to go. So with that, let's get started with our interview with Harris. Yes. To the theme song. Hello, everybody. We're here with our pal, Harris Rollinger. He is um, a colleague of ours here at CJP. Harris, say hello. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. So Harris and I started working at CJP about the same time, and we instantly bonded. There's a lot of fist bumping that happens. Um, But Harris and I have the pleasure of working together on the same team. However, Harris has a totally different job than I do. He works in this thing called social innovation, social entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. It's a hard word to say. There you go. It's a hard word to spell. I cannot spell it. It's just not going to happen. You'll get there eventually. (laughs) Um, But he works in this incredible program called Present Tense. So we thought it'd be fun to bring Harris in and tell us a little bit about what is Present Tense, what are they doing in that world, and kind of what are those buzzwords? Like, what do they really mean? Um, so, Harris, if you want to start, why don't you tell us a little bit about present tense and your role on the CJP Young Adults team? Sure. So, similar to Jen, I have the same job title as a program and development officer, but I don't think that Jen and I could be doing more different work if we tried <laughs> for the most part. So, as a program and development officer focusing on social innovation at CJP, my job is really to coordinate the present tense program. So, present tense is a 10 month fellowship where we bring somewhere between eight to 10 young Jewish entrepreneurs through our design thinking curriculum where they really learn how to create change. And the way that they learn how to create change is by launching a social venture. And so in the past, I think that you guys have had Laura Mandel on the Jewish Boston podcast. Yes, we have. Laura was a present tense fellow who through learning through her learnings through present tense launched eight nights, eight windows, which recently concluded it was a public art project. Yeah. We've talked about that a couple. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. So 
that is one form of social innovation or social entrepreneurship. And there was actually a really interesting article that was written uh, that was on Forbes last week. And it was about what social entrepreneurship is and isn't. And it was one of those things that about like somewhere between like five and 10 years ago, not a lot of people knew about similar to design thinking. And now everyone knows about it. But the problem is, is that it's taken on this new meaning where it's one of those big buzzwords. Like, right. like innovation and entrepreneurship mean everything and nothing at the same time right now. Right. And so what we've been working on at present tense is we kind of started off as like we're social entrepreneurship and we've done some pivoting where we really focus on design thinking and how do we use this specific kind of curriculum or this specific way of framing things and working on a project to take them from beginning to end. So is design thinking like a technique for getting to point A to point B or what really is design thinking sounds like pretty buzzword. I don't know, Jesse, do you know what design no, thinking I mean, is? I mean, th- I generally know what design thinking is, but I th- I think I need to explain to me because I mean again we're, we're throwing out a lot of words here that mm-hmm. people may not know because like again social o- entrepreneurship while also hard to say and hard to type <laughs> is also kind of hard to describe because it absolutely right, you were saying. The, the the more the more people start using it the less the less it sticks to its core definition so for sure so taking a step back the idea of social entrepreneurship is really about affecting people at like kind of the one million people level so things like the my- hand motion is like above Harris's head <laughs> going back and forth right now he's giving us points. visuals yes. of what one million people view yes. looks like <laughs> also like for our listeners uh, they should know visually both Jen and Harris are both very tall Tall humans. Yes, tall humans, both tall humans for CJP and tall humans for Jews in general. (laughs) Yeah, starting center and power forward for the CJP basketball team. There we go. But not actually. (laughs) Anyway, um, so with social entrepreneurship, it's really about how do we affect people at the the million person level, like way up here. So things like microloans or micro-lending started by this guy named uh, Muhammad Yunus, who was essentially like the godfather of social entrepreneurship, started this thing called Grameen Bank, um, where he was handing out small loans to people, specifically women, to help them with their local businesses to make a living. And it blew up, and he won all these awards, and now he's seen as, like, the godfather of social entrepreneurship. Very cool. From there, design thinking is kind of like a framework and something that we talk about with another buzzword, but it'll make a bit more sense, like social disruption. So how do we change the way that people are thinking about things to stop doing things so traditionally? So something that Jen and I do a lot is we work on a lot of different projects and forms and things like that. What design thinking does is allows people to unleash something that the Kelly brothers who kind of started design thinking in terms of unleashing their creative confidence. So they believe that everyone has this kind of childlike uh, imagination where they can, you know, in terms of how they build things or how they design things, kind of gets, it gets for lack of a better word, stampeded upon throughout your education to <laughs> oh, like yeah. stop thinking creatively. Right. And so what design thinking does is allows you to kind of unleash that inner child and allows you to really, well, how might we look at this in a different way? So an, and a great example of design thinking is that there was this um, guy, I think it was a GE, um, built this incredible MRI machine. And he had never asked a customer about it. And it won all these awards. And then he went to see it in action for the first time. And it was specifically for children. And he went in and all of the kids on the first day that he went there were crying and wanted absolutely nothing to do with this machine because it made loud noises. It looked scary. You had to sit still. And he had no idea because he had never done anything like empathy interviews, which is a core root of design thinking. So instead, he turned this MRI machine into a pirate ship game. Pirate ships? Pirate ships. Oh my goodness. So that there was one where it was a pirate ship and one there was a spaceship because he went out and asked the kids what they wanted and what would actually work. So instead of like, these kids had cancer and they were going in for these MRIs. And so instead of it being something really scary, he turned it into a ride where all of the booms and noises that were being made by the MRI machine 
actually were supposed to be sounds of a spaceship blasting off. And so by the end of it, kids wanted to, like, it was like a ride. They wanted to do it again and again and again. And he used design thinking to come to that conclusion. That's very cool. So it's this idea of looking at problems in a different way, unpacking them, teasing them out, trying to find different ways of looking at it than we do traditionally. So companies like IBM use design thinking. It's all over their curriculum. Uh, there's design thinking firms like IDEO, um, where the founders of design thinking, the Kelly brothers, are like the president and vice president. So it's a really unique way of trying to solve problems through creative confidence, through imagination, and really trying to do things in a non-traditional way. So that's it's kind of like a very high-level basic right. review of design thinking. So then you use design thinking as part of your curriculum at Present Tense. And what – so Present Tense as a whole is this social innovation fellowship. It's a program at CJP. It exists elsewhere in the country, in mm-hmm. other cities. It's – I believe, it's also, I believe it's originally it international. Like it, was. it is. So it's it's been in Russia, Latvia. It started Very in Israel. Cool. And Boston was actually the first U.S. site. Um, okay. It came here in 2009. And now it's in other cities like Denver. They have a teen program where they're actually going to Costa Rica this summer with a group of teens, which is really cool. It's in L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, D.C., Detroit, uh, Boston. And I think that's it. Um, but one of the cool things about present tense is that it's really this global network. So when you become yeah. a present tense fellow, you're not just connected to the Boston branch, you're connected to everyone. And there are some things that are universal to present tense cities. So some of the slides that are used in our first seminar, everyone has seen. So if you ask a present tense about uh, the promised land or Egypt, they're going to know what that means in terms of design thinking talk, um, which is one of the coolest things. And I think one of the best things about present tense is that it really teaches people to how to take a project from beginning to end, but at the same time, it does it in a way where they can they can use the skills that they developed through present tense for the rest of their professional life. And one of the best parts about my job is getting to see the fellows when the light bulb goes off, and they're like, oh my god, I get it now. I get design thinking. And while it takes different amounts of time for people, there's nothing quite like the moment where they're like, oh my god, I can design think anything. I can rapid prototype right. Anything. You um, get that aha moment. It's a really yeah, good and, feeling. And then someone like Laura, who's taken those learnings and applied it to New Center now, or, or rather, I guess it's the New Center for Arts and Culture. Um, maybe you can just edit that out for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I believe now it's technically the Jewish Arts it's Collaborative. Yeah. So. And so Laura has been able to take aspects of present tense and really filter that into all of her work. Um, and even for, like even for me, I wasn't super familiar with design thinking until I started working at CJP. And being able to use it on different events and different ideas that I work with here in terms of prototyping. So a prototype can be something as simple as let's try this like this this um, activity we want to do for this event. Let's try it with our own staff before actually doing it out in the community. That's cool. So it's about the idea of testing, testing cheaply, testing quickly, quickly, and getting things out there. So it's been really cool for me to learn just as much. Yeah. For those of you, because no one else can see other than Jen and Jesse, I like to talk with my hands. <laughs> and so I'm like essentially drawing like imaginary things on the table. Right. So if and you hear little nuggets of, uh, of like sound bites in the background of tapping, it's Harris. He's very vividly describing and explaining all this. Yes. Clearly he's very passionate about the work that I he's doing. I love social entrepreneurship and design <laughs> thinking with all my heart. And that's not sarcastic. I know. It's not sarcastic, but it sounds so, I don't know what the... Well, the right word is, it just sounds, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a term with a lot of, you know, it's, it's so much, it's all buzz. It can mean everything and nothing all at the same time. And it's one of the most frustrating parts about this job, which is that if I use the term social entrepreneurship to someone when recruiting for the fellowship, they might get scared away. But if I use the term design thinking fellowship, they're like, ooh, 
that sounds great. And so because all of these words are so interchangeable sometimes, right. you have to differentiate them. Do you have a favorite word that you like to use in description? Social disruptor is my personal favorite for <laughs> someone who has described themselves as like a social entrepreneur. I saw it on someone's Twitter handle. They're like, I'm a social disruptor. And I was like, ooh. I, I like, like that. It. A is lot. that what your title is in like your LinkedIn profile? Like Harris Rollinger, social disruptor. That's just how I introduce myself to people in the streets in general. Like, hi, I'm Harris. I'm a social disruptor. And like a mozzarella sandwich, please. Like, oh, <laughs> That's what cool. I do when yeah. I go to lunch too. I'm yeah. like, yo, Jen Marmer, <laughs> podcast host. It's like my newest uh, yeah. my uh, newest line at the grocery store. <laughs> I mean every time every time I hear someone talk about like disruption, I just think about um, the HBO show Silicon Valley where they where everyone's <laughs> trying to disrupt everything and it's just sort of like everything becomes disruption because everyone's trying to break free of whatever was happening before. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way of like putting yourself in, you know, um, in opposition to whatever system you're currently fighting. So Yeah. I think it's it's also it's a way for calling yourself a social disruptor is kind of uh, for some people, I think it's a great synonym for being a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of people who are able to create change, especially when it comes to using things like design thinking or creating social change, it's really hard. It comes in painfully like slow increments. And so for these people who are social disruptors, it's a really fancy way of saying, I'm going to send you an email every day and I'm not going to stop until we get this done. Right. Which because is, they want to make it happen and because they're they passionate make, about what they're it, doing. It, it drives them. They wake up every day with this passion for you know wanting to cause change. And so instead of putting pain in the butt on their business card, they say, I'm a social disruptor and I love those people. Well, I think I think we should give people some examples of what um, like a, a social disruptor might be. Yeah. Or, or like, I mean, like a, a tech disruptor or like a service industry disruptor. I mean, like, I think Uber is a good example of oh, a disruptor. Absolutely. I mean, it, like if you talk about disruption, it, you know, has sort of quasi revolutionized the sort of taxi industry and the um, stranglehold that mm-hmm. different cities, you know, um, taxi medallion system had on how people get from point A to point B. Um, oh, for sure. I think, and and that's a great example of something that could be described as social innovation because it's affecting people's social lives, but at the end of the day, it's a for-profit business. Right. Um, you know, it's not like Uber started and they were like, we want everyone to have equal access to transportation that's affordable. They, I'm pretty sure, I don't know the backstory, but I would imagine the value proposition was something like taxis are too expensive. There needs to be a better way. And so right. they created this app that has just wreaked havoc on the system. Another one of my personal favorites is Airbnb. I yeah. mean, talk about changing the hospitality industry through a very simple mechanism of allowing people to open up their homes in a very formal way, in a way that's really attractive. Like before Airbnb, I wasn't looking if I could sleep in a treehouse. Right. This wasn't happening for me. And it's not that now. I didn't, Yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't want to. It's like, but now I spend every waking minute looking for different tree houses in different states to sleep in because Airbnb makes it look so cool. I, right. didn't, I didn't know this was a thing that you could do. It is. Oh. Airbnb is a great way to travel, too. So. Oh, it's affordable. It's, right. it's And it's honestly, like, to be able to have access to free parking where you can't have a lot of hotels. And it's just, it's so much it's so much more affordable and right. it's just, it, it's more of a community than any sort of hospitality industry has been in the past. And I people, that, people want that now. They want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. They've always wanted that. And if you can do that and save money, of course they're going to disrupt the right. system. I think that's a very big generational switch as well. It's like that our generation is much more passionate about making those changes and making mm-hmm. things more affordable and convenient and um, important in our lives. And Absolutely. I think that's, Everyone says that's a very millennial thing is to want to feel that they're making a change. But I think it's really cool yeah. that we are making change. Um, 
What do you think about how this whole idea of social innovation and social entrepreneur fits, fits Jewishly? Like, what is the importance of that happening in our Jewish community and what the Jewish context is behind mm-hmm. it? Because present tense is through a Jewish organization, through it's a, a through Jewish, Jewish lens. lens. And do the the individuals who are fellows this year, do they have to have a Jewish program? Does mm-hmm. it have to affect the Jewish community? What is that? And why is that important to us? And so I think it's a really good question. Um, and so what present tense does, and I think where social innovation fits Jewishly, is that you can make the argument that Moses was actually the first social entrepreneur. I mean, he saw an injustice and created a new system, and he led the Jews out of Egypt. Well, he was definitely right. he was definitely a disruptor. He so. was he was definitely a social. He's disruptor. the OG disruptor, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, so. definitely. So one of the things that I think is really interesting about present tense is that in terms of looking at social innovation and social change through a Jewish lens, you're looking at something that is kind of, it's since the beginning of time, really. Judaism and faith is like is, is an institution. It's, it's one of the oldest things and not the oldest thing around. And so being on the leading edge of Jewish history, which we talk about all the time at CJP, requires innovation. So you're taking essentially the oldest thing in the world and trying to make it hip and new and keeping up with modern trends, which traditionally aren't things that go hand in hand. And so what I think is really cool is we're allowing these young leaders from our community to take their ideas, so to take new ideas and launch them, or to become better social disruptors through design thinking. Um, And I think it's really important for us to continue to, to make change and to be on the lookout for new ideas because if we keep offering the same thing eventually it'll get stale and that's the last thing we want so what we're doing is we're really allowing the community to have a voice and to be able to say i have this idea i want to make it happen but i'm not quite sure how and that's when they come to present tense when they either want to launch a venture or prototype an idea or if they want to just become a stronger jewish professional design thinking and present tense you know the ventures themselves don't have to be jewish and that's a really unique value proposition. One of our fellows this year is working on the idea of essentially democratizing philanthropy for millennials and young adults. That's not just Jewish. That applies to all of us. Right. And so it's the idea of we're taking Jewish entrepreneurs or Jewish social disruptors, young leaders, whatever word you want to use, and we're allowing them to have a platform where they can really learn to do that in a more effective way through design thinking. And I think it's really remarkable that CJP has not only invested in this, but invested in this since 2009. And we do other means of investing in new ideas through our innovation grants, through young adult community grants. And present tense is just, it's a really great entry point uh, to our community to really learn about how to create change in an effective way, but also to have your ideas heard. I mean, how many religious institutions around the world are really allowing people in open space to say, I want to try something that hasn't been done before. Let's I want to do something. Change. Yeah, let's make change. And for us to be able to say, we're not only going to allow you a space to do that, but when you're done, present tense in Boston and in partnership with CJP, we're the only present tense branch that offers some sort of financial assistance after completing the fellowship where they can apply for up to $5,000 a year through our venture grants program. Right. And while $5,000 might not seem like a lot to people, it, you'd be shocked at what you can do with that amount of money. And the example I always use when talking to our fellows is that Google Glass, the first prototype, was a piece of cardboard and a bike mirror. I mean, that's all it takes to build a prototype. And with $5,000, imagine how much they could have done. Right. And so it doesn't take much to really get your venture off the ground, especially with tools like social media and grassroots movements that we've seen that are much more common these days. And so I think that presence is an incredible engagement point for young adults in our community and really allows people to stand up and say, I have a new idea. I don't like how this system is working or I want to see this through. Where can I do that? Presence is the place. 
That's awesome. It's really exciting to hear that it connects to our Jewish community and it affects our Jewish community in such a positive way and that there is opportunity to grow and expand. And Harris did mention the Young Adult Community Grants Program, and that is a huge thing that our young adult team here at CJP um, pushes and offers out to the community. If you're affecting change in the young adult world and young adult community in this Jewish Boston world that we live in, we want to help you make that happen. And um, there's always grant applications online that you can fill out and um, see if yeah. you can innovate, uh, <laughs> if I must use that word, yes. um, and change the change this community that we live in that we love so dearly. Mm. So, And I think it's... It's really incredible to be able to, because I think every day people, not every day, but everyone has always had an idea of like, I'd like, I, you know, I'd like to change this, or this would be cool if we did this differently. And so many people might be afraid of taking that step, and it's what we call the difference in the knowledge action gap. And so people are afraid of, of having an idea and then actually taking action on it because they're right. afraid of the idea of failure. And what we really have done is we've created a space where it's okay to make mistakes, and you should make mistakes. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. We've all made them. So let's promote it and allow people to get their failures out there mm-hmm. and then iterate on that make changes and launch something that doesn't even have to be a huge program it doesn't have to be a business that's going to you know have a brick and mortar space that's going to like shake up things it can be something really small like running an after school sports program can you give us um sort of like, like an example from like starting point to end point of like a present tense idea that either succeeded or failed but like that the person both both, both the person and you like learned something from Sure. Because I know these are other people's ideas, and I don't want you to, like, you know, uh, break someone's, you know... um, Confidentiality. Yeah, confidentiality. Absolutely. We don't want to give away everyone's good ideas. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think a really good example is this past year we had a group called uh, Split Hooves Community Kitchen. It was a group of three fellows who who started because they were really... They were frustrated with the limited amount of options there are for kosher food in the greater Boston Jewish community. And anyone who's ever, you know, attended an event, there's very few options. They're all pretty good options, but at the end of the day, a variety is good. Right. And so they also very expensive options. Exactly. (laughs) And so they wanted to, to create new offerings. And so what started as this idea of hosting a, like a a kosher pop-up restaurant ultimately pivoted because of their participation in our program and what they learned through their empathy interviews and participating in design thinking is that it wasn't just the lack of kosher options. It was that there wasn't a shared kosher community kitchen space. If people wanted to like host an event or do some sort of like group cooking class, there wasn't any sort of like kashrut education where people to really learn about what's that process like. There wasn't a place for kosher cooking classes and for different kosher caterers. And so ultimately what they wanted to do was to build a new space or take over a space where they would be able to do all those things and more. Ultimately, that's an incredible financial investment of a couple million dollars. And everyone and the thing about present tense is that everyone who's participating in this program is also working a full-time job. So right. they have a nine to five. Present tense is they're five to nine. And you don't always have as much time as you'd like to work in these projects. And so I would say the project is on hold. All three fellows would love to eventually revisit it and really bring it to scale and launch it. But they learned through the process that what their initial assumption was, it wasn't necessarily incorrect, but it wasn't where they ended up being in terms of launching their venture or what they wanted their venture to look like. And that pivot is huge. And, and and being open to pivoting is huge. I mean, how many times do people change careers, let alone pivot an entire venture that they that they want to pour their heart and soul into? Right. But they're still providing an option for kosher food exactly. here in the Boston community. So it's just from a different angle, which it, is very cool. Exactly. And I think people becoming more comfortable with the idea of pivoting is is super important. I mean, we talk about 
about it all the time within CGP with like inside baseball speak. But in terms of outside the community, I mean, think about an idea of pivoting, you know, from a broad lens would be the Boston Olympics. I mean, the entire community, you know, they were in favor of wanting this. And then slowly over time, they pivoted to saying, I don't really want this as more and more information came out and the framing changed. Yeah, and and they thought about it for a second. <laughs> exactly. And so but your t- gut reactions are not always <laughs> the best, but it definitely um, gets you moving. My gut exactly. reaction was the correct one, which is no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> exactly. And so taking that and really looking at it from a present tense lens, it's the idea of your initial assumption is not always correct. Uh, and even like going back to the Airbnb example, they almost shut their doors before they became really successful. And what they learned was that it wasn't the service that was the problem. People wanted the service, but their pictures that they were posting online of the apartments and locations that they were offering were really just poor pictures that they looked like they had been taking on a disposable camera. And nobody wants that. If something looks bad, they don't want to use it. Right. So they hired a professional photographer, flew to New York from San Francisco, took these brand new pictures, and then they saw their revenue spike. And it's about the initial assumption. They thought that something was wrong with their surface. It wasn't. It was the way that they were presenting the surface at all. Right. And so learning how to pivot is super important, and you have to be open to critical feedback. Let me ask you this, because, I mean, present tense has been in Boston since 2009, and it's changed a couple times since it started. For sure. Um, I've always sort of viewed it that, at the end of the day, it's almost as much about the people as it is the ideas that mm-hmm. they come in with, because it's... In a way, it's sort of a, it's a training fellowship. Most of these people's ideas don't ever actually, like... Come to fruition. Yeah, they they, yeah. they don't like the, the kosher kitchen never gets open because it costs too much money for, for for these people. But those people now have that training to go do something else, and that idea is still around for someone else to take and mm-hmm. and tweak. And so, I was wondering if that's something that's, you know, that present tense consciously think thinks about, or are they really sort of looking at the idea and then training the people as they come in? So I would say it's. You know, there's multiple sides to... There's not just two sides of that coin. There's multiple sides. Um, and is, it, I think, is it a six-sided die, a 20-sided die? It's, it might not even be a die at all. I might have morphed into something else Whoa. through design It's a round thinking. bouncy ball. No sides at all. <laughs> exactly. <Moving> it's <laughs> a round bouncy ball. I like the way that Jen has framed this. Mm. I think she's, she's... I pivoted. She, de- she pivoted, exactly. Um, I've learned from the best, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, but to Jesse's question, I think that, you know... We don't measure success just by the amount of ventures that we launch. I think if we did, then UNSR would be foolish, but it would be incorrect. Um, the amount of people who, you know, can who have taken their learnings from precedents and applied it to different parts of their life makes us just as proud as the amount of people, you know, someone like Laura, who's you know launched her, you know, eight nights at Windows venture. Um, so we're very conscious of the fact that in ten months, and precedents used to be on a five month pro five month timeline, where most of the fellowships around the country are on a five month timeline, but to but to launch a venture in 10 months is incredibly difficult, not to mention also working your nine to five job and having a life. Right. Um, and so we, we're realistic about what can and can't be accomplished. And we continue to provide support to our fellows even after they finish the fellowship, both through financial support and our venture grants. And they both, they all get their coaches and mentors and those relationships don't stop. I'm always here as a, as a resource in terms of being a coordinator and connecting them to whoever or whatever they might need. And the rest goes for CJP as a whole. So I think we're very conscious of the idea that not all of these ventures are going to be brought to scale. People will, it's ultimately their decision whether or not they want to take that next step. And we encourage everyone to take a risk, but we also want to be realistic in the sense that we don't want people to quit their jobs if they're not sure that this is what they want to be doing to launch the venture. You know, it's a, it's an understanding of a balance and being realistic. That's very cool. Um, so I think the present tense program is this great 
opportunity for young adults in the Jewish community and to kind of create this change that we've been talking about and what is such an opportunity I'm never going to be able to say it oh my goodness gracious. can you spell it out loud for me no absolutely not um, social innovation is what I'm going to stick with as my word of Go choice um, but it is a really cool program and I think kind of shifting gears Harris and I so we work very closely together and like he was saying before we have very very different worlds but we do a lot of back and forth as I get to talk to a lot of different organizations and a lot of those people at organizations that are in the Jewish community also have change that they want to create within their Jewish organization already they don't have to be brand new ideas they just want to be how do I work through this problem that we're having and how do we switch do that pivot point and they can do that through um through using present tense Mm -hmm. so um thank you I think it's just like a really cool program and I'm really happy to be have you here working on it with us I mean I I, I can imagine that working with people who are who have either already come up with an idea that may or may not change, but uh, who are trying to take something like that they think is new or that can have an effect on, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of people, like that passion would be sort of exhilarating on a sort of day-to-day basis. Oh, abs- I mean, honestly, it's it's one of the big reasons why I do what I do. And it's not only what I do for my day job, but it's what I do when I volunteer. And I volunteer every Monday night at an organization called City Awake, which is like, if you want to talk about social disruptors, it's essentially like it's a group of social disruptors who have just, who want to create as much change as possible in a positive way. And it's great. But what do you, what do, you do there? Uh, I'm a volunteer team lead, and I work on different programs there. And so City Awake is Boston's social impact festival. And I would encourage everyone to check it out online. It's very cool. But to the present tense point, I mean, Talk about an, you know, a dream coming true for, you know, especially if this is my first job, uh, to be able to wake up every day and come to work with incredibly passionate people, not just with CJP staff, but the fellows in our program are so passionate about their ideas that they've, you know, they're donating their time to participate in this program. They're all incredibly busy. They all have, you know, social lives and things that they want to do. But what little time they have, they put towards this, towards creating change. And that's remarkable. I mean, that invigorates me. Jen knows that after every seminar, I come back into the office and I'm like so a giddy pumped little up. girl. I, I really am. I mean, <laughs> I absolutely love this stuff. And it revs my engine. And, you know, as someone who started their own, you know, who was doing their own social innovation work in college and understands what it's like to wake up every day, you know, not being satisfied with the status quo, it's, it's, these are the best people to be around. Um, and people who do this for a living, it's, it, I, I'm so lucky to be able to do what I do. I really feel that way. And I wake up every day with the idea that, you know, today I might get to meet someone who's really doing something incredible and I can help them get there. Um, You know, not all these ventures launch and that's okay. But one of the things that I think about a lot is there's this quote by Aristotle um, and it's about the idea of applying your passions where, where you're, it's about applying what you want to be doing and the point at which your passions and the needs of the world meet. And I feel like that's my job is to help right. people find that point where their passions and the needs of the, and the needs of the world meet. And I do that for my day job. I volunteer with it. And it's so cool to find people and to work with people who refuse to give up, who refuse to take no for an answer or are just not satisfied with the way things are. Um, and that could be anything from the transportation system in Boston to food security around the world to equal access to education. I mean, the amount of incredible social ventures that are out there is it just blows my mind. Um, and I love working with these people. It just it's it's honestly the best. I can't imagine doing anything else. That's awesome. Um, if anyone is interested in getting involved in present tense, being a volunteer, um, coaches and mentors, I know they're always looking for this whole array of people in this world or not in this world that just have a specific 
a specific skill set. Um, I know Harris is always looking and meeting new people. If you want to get in touch with Harris, you can email us at podcast at jewishboston.com and we'll definitely we'll set you up on a, a coffee date with Harris. <laughs> I will meet with anyone anywhere at any time. Social innovation. Um, it's definitely really cool. Um, yeah. I know Harris is also passionate about some other things in life other than social innovation. No. J- Jen's actually lying. I have no other interests or passions in life other than social. No, Harris is actually incredibly boring when he's not talking about <laughs> my job. I, I do nothing else. Uh, nope, nothing else. Uh, well, Harris <laughs> is actually a very cool dude, um, being one of my pals here. But he also, um, him and Jesse have this common love for this thing called Star Wars. And I know they both wanted to chat a little bit. Nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> about Star Wars. <laughs> I have a confession. I have never seen any Star Wars. It's okay, all. I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. And that we're working on. Um, I had never seen It's a Wonderful Life until yesterday, so. Oh my gosh. If that's on my <laughs> list to do this week of things to watch. Anyways, I digress. Um, but I know the boys just saw Star Wars over the weekend, and they're both pretty jazzed up. I think right before we started recording for this podcast today, I couldn't get an, a, a word in because I, I didn't, one, know what they were talking about, and two, they were just so excited about the new movie. So I'm curious to see. Yeah, um, a, a, for, for so a technical note for our listeners, it is, while we're recording this, it is Monday, December 21st, so the movie just came out, and from this point on, there will be spoilers for the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, or if you turn care... Turn us off. Yeah. <laughs> turn us off, and come back to us after you've seen the movie. Right. But, but keep listening to future podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Don't unsubscribe. But just, you know... So I'd like here, to get here, a, here there be spoilers if yeah. you would like so to So I'd say. like to get a little lesson. Star Wars. They're yes. in a galaxy far, far, far away. Yes. It's it's very specific. Okay. So got that part. And down. it's a long time ago. Yes. In a galaxy far, far also, away. Also, like Good I, sh- to know. <laughs> I should clarify that I am a Star Trek fan, not a Star Wars fan. They, they are different things. I like Star Wars, but oh it is boy. not it's not my number one passion. So. I should leave. Oh no. Are you a Star Wars over Star Trek? I never watched any episode of Star Trek or a Star Trek movie until the new ones came out. Mm, interesting. I have not seen that either. Now, Star Wars. They're fighting in galaxies with spaceships. And lightsabers, mm-hmm. and there's droids, and there's What Wookiees. are they fighting for? For the Force. What it, is it, the Force? It, it, it is. Star Wars is basically the sort of a standard good versus evil story. There's not much gray. So like, I'm no, good. Very little gray. Harris is evil. Whoa. Yeah, he was wearing black, so he's evil. And I'm wearing... This is kind of blue. A lighter color. <laughs> you know, there are... So, like, here's the thing. It's it's a combination of a, you know, galactic future empire with sort of mythological mystic knights fighting against each other <laughs> on you top know, of that. When you say it like that, making me a huge fan makes me seem like... The coolest person ever. Like I should be as part of the member of an AV club, which is not not there's anything wrong. Here, with here's that. the thing, like that. <laughs> I mean, I was at a midnight showing Thursday night slash Friday morning, mm-hmm. and for me, it, it it appeared that being a Star Wars nerd is the most acceptable form of nerdum that exists now. There were so would many we, people dressed say up. that. I don't. I, would say I don't that. know that that's true. I'm an equal opportunity nerdist. It made, I like all yeah, nerds. It made, you know, <laughs> it broke almost every record other than the international one because it didn't open in China. 
I think Harry, record for I, like I, opening movies. Yeah, for, like even um, more than for, like Harry for, Potter for Money Made. Yes. I was gonna say. I, I mean, it broke Harry Potter records, but I would say that being a Harry Potter nerd, and maybe it's a generational thing, might be. And when I mean, let's let's not use the term nerd. Let's use super fan. Okay. Right. <laughs> being a Harry Potter super fan versus Me. a Star Wars super fan, and I love Harry Potter. When that new trailer came out for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I almost screamed. I have been. I was, to, I've been to the wonderful the. Uh, Wizarding World of Harry, Harry Potter. Potter in Orlando. Uh, it's a dream multi- world. I've, I've gone multiple times. I almost didn't finish the last Harry Potter book because I didn't want it to end. Right. A very understandable thing. It was awful. I like refused for weeks. And then I was like, you know what? I got to know what happens. And so I read it. But to the Star Wars point, I think part of the reason it was so fun to see it was that. So I saw it yesterday and it was sold out. And across ages, people were like hooting and hollering in the theater when the Millennium Falcon shows up. Like, of course people are super excited. Like, Luke, like, sorry for the major spoiler, but Luke's here, Leia's here, Han's here. Like, it was a cross-generational thing. And it was just super cool to be a part of. And at the same time, I, you know, Jesse and I were talking about, it's, it's not a remake of, of A New Hope, which is the fourth one, which is the first one that came out, but we were not going to get into the whole timeline of everything. Yeah. But I just think it's so fascinating, and it's very rare, I think, in, in today for there to be something that's so cross-generational. It's almost like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, um, but for movies. And I think what it does is it allows everyone, and maybe this is to your point of like the cr- like equal opportunity for super fans or for, you know, for space nerds, is that everyone in the room feels okay with being a nerd in that moment or for being a super fan in that moment because you're part of something that's larger than yourself, which is you want Star Wars to be real so bad. You want to be flying the X-Wing or the spaceship. You want to be in a lightsaber duel. Are there so there there are robots in this one too? There are many robots, so they, and they those play are critical to, roles. Oh, they were those are droids. Those are droids like R two D two and C three PO. Yeah, here's the there are droids that have actual feelings who are sold <gasps> as slaves. Like Jen, it's, oh. it's incredibly depressing. When you Jen, think about it. I'm going to speak for you, but you will like if you ever see the movies and you meet BB eight. You're gonna cry because yeah. that's like the cutest droid in the world. How do you make a droid cute? I don't know how they did it. Feelings. <laughs> oh. Using the voice of um, uh, Ben Schwartz and um, Bill Hader, apparently. Yeah, so. and they were voice consultants. How yes. cool is that? Yeah, making it cute. I will say, I mean, like, oh goodness. I think the the reason why I think I said you know being a Star Wars super fan is the most acceptable is because it it is now like four generations in from people who were teenagers when um, Episode Four and New Hope came out, and then those people had kids who were then the right age for the prequels because there are some people who like the prequels for reasons passing understanding. People like seem to one, like them. Episodes Don't 4, see. 5, 6. No, 4, 5, and 6 are great. Oh. 1, 2, and 3 are questionable. Yes. One, the, 1, 2, and 3 came out in 1999, 2002, and 2005, I think, are the years of uh, The Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I was raised that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I will make zero remarks. See, I was I was not raised in that. They suck. (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) They are terrible. They are terrible. They are long. They are badly paced. The acting is terrible. It is all green screen. Oh goodness! There is no heart. No heart. There. They. You take a sort but the, of but the four, philosophy. five, and six were the old. Those are the originals. Seventies, sixties, seventies, and eighties. Yes, seventies and eighties. And then they went backwards. Yes. To and do then one, George two, Lucas indulged himself in thinking that he had to tell the story of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. When in reality, he really didn't. He could have made Revenge of the Sith as a standalone, and it would have been fine. He didn't have to make all. Yeah. Revenge. Like here's the thing: a good story's there because the there is a cartoon series called The Clone Wars, mm-hmm. which you know is takes place between two of the movies, 
actually gives Anakin Skywalker and the clones, amazingly enough, personality and an emotional journey that you can actually comprehend, while his journey in the movie is from whiny idiot to really whiny idiot. I follow nothing you just said. So apologies to anyone who's not a Star Wars fan because I am not following either. There's just so many movies, and I think there's so many storylines that cross. There are, and I think one of the things about Star Wars, and like I said, and this also ties into some of the work that I love about social innovation, funny enough, not that I would... There's not a whole lot of ties... Callback! (laughs) Not a whole lot of ties between Star Wars and social change and social innovation, except blowing up the Death Star. Um, I would say that both the Rebellion and the Resistance are both social disruptors. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Maybe... Yeah, I would definitely say that. Yeah. Um, But I think one of the things is that in terms of social entrepreneurship and Star Wars, the similarity is that people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And I think that's what the Star Wars community creates. And then with social change, it's the same thing, is that people want to be on the right side of an issue or they want to be part of the change. And so it's really cool to see, like, the communities that form around this kind of work. Um, But as Jesse and I were talking about in terms of the new Star Wars movie, it was was very self-serving in the sense of, like, there was, like, check boxes that they had to check off for, like, the old fans to make sure, like, oh, all these old people showed up and we got to cover this storyline. we got to make sure they know what happened here. Old what, people is a mean word. The elderly? Should I use that? Sure. <laughs> distinguished. Like my parents' generation. <laughs> I wouldn't describe them as old. They're distinguished. They're distinguished <laughs> individuals, making sure the distinguished uh, guests arrive. Oh, absolutely. And so I think it was, that part was kind of, like, it was both cool and disappointing, um, but I'm super excited to see where the future of the trilogy of this trilogy goes. And um, one of the interesting things that another person on our staff brought up is that we're so used to binge watching four, five, and six consecutively because they're available. But with this trilogy, you have to wait. Yeah. You have to wait until May 26th of 2017, or not May 26th. Is that when it is? I think. I think the might, fact that you're even I, close I think it's to also, what date that is. is I, I think they're all going to be coming out in December, but I'm, I might be yeah. wrong. And, and um, the the other Star Wars movies all came out in, in late May because. George Lucas liked him to come out right after his birthday. Apparently, I learned this today. Was that his a birthday Buzzfeed present list. to himself? Apparently, yeah. Like, so like he needs George more things. So did George Lucas do all he, of them? He's well, the he's the mommy yeah. of Star Wars. He gave birth to it. So the f- the four, five, and s- no. So, he, okay. so four, five, and six were his. It gets complicated. But and then he did one, two, and three. He didn't direct all of them. He directed A New Hope, which is number four. Yeah, he also didn't write um, five and six. Is George Lucas Jewish? Yes. Is he? I'm I know sure Steven is. Spielberg is. I'm pretty sure they're both Jewish. We should get them on the podcast. We should. I'll call I, him up I, tomorrow. I bet, I bet he's a real easy interview. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, j- just, you know, what Star, Star Wars really is, is it's just a conglomeration of storytelling tropes put together. I mean, like... I don't know what you just said. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Everyone in Star Wars seems to be an orphan, right? They, yeah, there's a lot of... There's but lot we of, know who the father is. Do uh, we? Do we? Not this time. Wait, Darth Vader isn't We're in this? We're on the hunt for a new daddy. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I will you say, cut that out. It, was, it was nice to have a female lead, uh, a female and African-American lead, instead of just more white people. So that was nice. Yeah, they talk, there's a Yeah, there's an African-American lead, Finn, in this one, and which, was re- which I think was necessary for the Star and Wars. And he was great, by the way. Oh, I loved him. And my question is, like, similar, and I had the same question about Seinfeld when, when Kirby Enthusiasm took Seinfeld and kind of brought it back. What did they do with the Millennium Falcon like has it just been like sitting under a tarp? In, Apparently, in, in some like set. Like, I would like they should open a Star Wars museum and like be like like walk aboard the Millennium Falcon. And honestly, if someone wants to really be a social disruptor, they should build a real Millennium Falcon that flies. I'm pretty sure they would get sued. Why? Probably. Like like those people who tried to build the Enterprise in Canada. 
Wait, um, they did? Well, they were trying to raise billions of dollars for it. What's the Enterprise? It's the Star Trek ship. Thank you. See, we're switching back between Star Trek and yeah. Star Wars. I uh, just get confused. The other thing that I would like to talk about, and this is very relevant to all three of us because we're all participating in this, is that this time of the year is not only the holidays, lights are out, Star Wars is out. It also happens to be, and this we did not plan to talk about this, but I'm going to bring it up. It's also fantasy football playoff season. Oh. Do we have to bring this up? Harris, this is a sore subject for me right now. And for all of you out there, it is fantasy football playoff season, and I just beat Jen in the CJP League, and I could not be happier about it. Put and the I'm getting applause, applause from Jesse. Jesse was also in this league. I, I, yeah, I got... Um, you didn't make playoffs. I, no, I got buzzsawed in every league yesterday because <laughs> I was playing against Cam Newton multiple times, so that was fun. Uh, yay. Yeah, I, no. I lost 215 to 144 in a league yesterday. Oh, my so. God. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, Harris, he kicked my butt yesterday. Team Theory of Change over here <laughs> kicked uh, uh, Team... Team Cheesehead. Cheesehead. I can tell but. you, people love hearing about other people's fantasy teams. It's like a... Well, I cried a little bit yesterday. And I, I, got some, said, I got some mean text messages. No, it was more like, what is there left to live for? I'm pretty sure is the text I sent. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's 90% luck. So I'll be honest, when I was sitting in Star Wars while football games are going on, and I'm in two leagues, and in both leagues and in the playoffs, I'm very competitive. And so it was very hard to not check my phone during the middle of Star Wars, because here I am watching Han Solo fly the Millennium Falcon and like crying like a little like like a little kid because I'm so excited. On the other hand, I have to know if I'm beating Jen. I like how that I was the priority of people to beat, not in the other league, which <laughs> no, we're no, also no, 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 in no. together. But team discount Be- no what discount Belichick. Yeah, discount Belichick over here is the team name in our other league. Yeah, that's and a good he, name. Like uh, I'm, I'm witty. At least I try to be. He's just, I don't know how it happened. I was doing so well in both leagues. And then the last few weeks, it's just like plummeted. And Harris has just been kicking my butt in both. I started 0-4. And this is a comeback for the century. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to take the cake. I might not win the CJP league, but I'm definitely going to win the other league. You're going to take all the cake. I like cake a lot. Cake is delicious. Cake is, especially when it's not kosher. Yeah. Do you like chocolate cake or vanilla cake? This is very important information. I feel like I'm on like, this is like ESPN hot seat. Yeah. I like chocolate cake with vanilla frosting. Uh, wrong choice. Oh, dear. There's I like a right choice. cheesecake. There you go. So, and can I turn can I turn the tables once more? Oh, my yes. gosh. Turn can, I, can I ask some questions? Yeah. Is this okay? So yeah. this is, we're going to just preface this with Harris and I are very good friends. We are. And I promise not to embarrass Jen. So I'm very concerned like you to where, Jen. where this is going. Okay. So here's my question. Yes. Question one. Okay, so I'm going to put you guys on the hot seat as our, as our right. podcast host. All right. Okay. I think it's on the, the hot, hot seat. seat is a method of present tense. It is. It, it is a present tense method. Although I'm, it didn't start with us, but no. other people use it. But anyway, here's the deal. If, if the two of you are going on a road trip, who is more likely to be stubborn about directions, Jesse or Jen? Jesse. I agree. Okay. <laughs> if, so for both of you, if you could be any animal, which one would you be? A cat. Mm. I have no hesitation with these answers. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. A red panda. A red panda? Yeah. That's they're little. specific. They're can, you, can you elaborate as to why? Because they're... Uh, this is for our listeners out there to get to know our So get to know red our pandas are not actually pandas. They are more like, um, like, I don't know in the sort of like otter family or whatever, but they are, <laughs> they are like red looking little panda bears and mm-hmm. they're adorable and they live in New Zealand. Interesting. Yes. Okay. For, uh, for, for people who are wondering the, um, 
if, if we've all seen the Kung Fu Panda movies, the oldest training one, he is a red panda. Interesting. Yes. Okay. And this question's to Jesse. All right. If Jen were a type of cheese, uh, what type of cheese would she be? Mm, I don't know. Some sort of... If you read my post on our intranet, the internal CJP thing, there was a survey about me recently. and I... There was a survey about you? It was like the CJP six, like, and you get to ask six questions, and I answered said six questions. So, so what kind of cheese you are? Well, I mean, I know it what asked favorite what is. my favorite food was. Mm. And it was cheese? She well, yeah. Che- she brought, she, for Hanukkah, she bought me a block of cheese from Wisconsin. You're welcome. I have, honestly have no idea what kind of, what kind of, what kind of cheese could be your favorite, because you could get really, you know, deep dive into different cheese flavors and types, so, yeah. I'm very, very simple with my cheese flavors. I'm going to say cheddar. I mean, it's sort of. What Her favorite's Gouda. <laughs> my favorite's Gouda. But that's from my favorite movie. But if I had to choose, like, cheese to eat, like, on the regular, it'd be cheese curds. Just curds. See, I didn't know cheese curds were its own type of cheese. I figured it was another type of cheese in a form. Like, the curd was the That's form. why I said it was kind of cheddar-ish. Because it's, like, the curds. Jen's a sharp cheddar because she's kind of sassy. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm here for. My last question would be, if Jesse were to be a Jedi, would he be on the dark side or the light side? I would like to hope that you're a good guy, Jesse. So you have the blue lightsaber, right? Did the lightsaber colors matter? Yes. Was the blue good? Well, here's the thing. And this is something that we could talk about maybe at a later date, because this is where we do a really deep dive into our super mm-hmm. fanness, and we don't want to indulge in that necessarily on the air. But... I think that when Luke makes his new lightsaber, when the one that's green, I actually think that that's ambiguous. I think that in, in he can't the, decide between no, good the, and evil. No, in the Empire Strikes Back, uh, not the Empire Strikes Back, in Return of the Jedi, he's on the verge of like becoming, becoming. the new Vader. He's wearing he's wearing all black, <gasps> but that's like, his he's wearing all black. He's wearing evil colors. Yeah, he's he's going through an emotional time, and so he's green with envy. And so he builds himself. That, oh yes, <laughs> nailed it. Um, but Sorry. he builds himself a new lightsaber, which supposedly makes his, his training complete. Yes. But it's it's like green versus blue. Is the blue one the neutral one? Like, why was that one? I don't know. Well, I always thought it was white. I didn't think I didn't think of it as blue. Okay, well, Jesse, either way, I think you're a good guy. So I'd like to say that you're on the good, time, good team, not so, on Team Dark Well, here's Vader. the thing, though. People on the dark side don't think they're they're bad guys. But they I mean, are I, bad I'm guys. I'm pretty sure the Emperor knows he's a bad guy, but... And the Emperor is Darth Vader. Yeah, when you like shooting force lightning Hold out of up. your fingers, yeah, force lightning is not a Hold good up. side weapon. Yes. yes, Darth Vader equals Emperor. No, no, damn it. Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, who is Luke's father. The Emperor is former uh, former Senator uh, Palpatine. <laughs> I don't know what his first name is or last name. Is Palpatine his first name? Not related to the Skywalker clan. No, got it. No, but Moving he takes on. Anakin under his wing. Okay. Yes. Anakin is a troubled boy. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know that Palpatine's from Naboo? Which is why like that planet was in the prequels to begin with? Seriously? Yeah, that's where his home is from. Like, oh, I forgot about that. He's yeah. Phantom Menace. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's about all the Star Wars talk I can handle okay. for today. Anybody else? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Well, Jesse and I will discuss... <laughs> offline. Li- yeah. Colors of lightsabers offline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, you can... Yeah, oh. Well, either There's way... There's specific crystals that call to you... <laughs> it was anyway. a lot of fun having you here today, Harris. Thanks for having me. I'll come back anytime you guys want to talk about social disruption. We'll talk about more disruption. Disruption. <laughs> Have a great day. Shalom. Uh, ha- ha- happy New Year, everybody. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with 
Harris Rollinger. Nailed it. Thank you. And um, we, we just want to throw out a f- few shout-outs here to uh, Sean Fogel, who made our wonderful music, to uh, the staff of JewishBoston.com, and to the staff of Combined Jewish Philanthropies. So, not using an acronym. No, I'm going to say it every time now. Not really, that's not true. Um, please, again, let us know if you like the podcast by leaving a message on Jewish Boston's Facebook page or sending us a tweet at, at JewishBoston. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and all that other junk that I've said now maybe 10 to 15 times. And email us. Please email us, please. At Jewish, or wait, what is it? It's a podcast at jewishboston.com. There you go. I will answer any question that is emailed to me. Any question. Great. So um, for people listening relatively soon to when this is published, we wish you a happy new year. Happy new year and adios. <laughs>